We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, a.k.a. Gemma Peanut on the gram, along with my co-host, Kate. Not so great today. I'm fine. I've, I'm three coffees in. And it's very early in the a.m. So, you know, last time I was lit, now I'm buzzing. Do you know what I've realized? We're actually not compatible podcast hosts. Oh, <laughs> shut it down. Well, because I'm a morning person mm. and today we're recording this episode very early in the morning. Normally, we record in the evenings and Revs is like on her game. She's a couple of wines deep. She's feeling buzzed and lit and I'm like ready for bed. Yeah. And right now the tables have turned and I've got a pep in my step and you're like... I'm like, why am I here? I've never been a morning person. When you have kids, you don't have a choice, right? Suddenly you have to be a morning person. And look, some almost seven years in and I haven't quite adjusted. But I'm not really a night person either. I love that meme that went around the internet. It's still a favorite of mine which is I'm not an early bird. I'm also not a night owl. I'm just a perpetually exhausted pigeon. Yes. <laughs> it just sums up motherhood perfectly. It sure does. I hit my strides business hours. Ah. Like I am like totally in flow at lunchtime. That's why I rarely take lunch. By 11, I'm like, yeah, feeling myself. Midday, oh, on a roll at three o'clock. I'm like, and my day is done. Yeah, I think. <laughs> the, so useless after three. The 3 p.m. itis really kicks in for me as well. I am most productive from 10 till noon. That's a very short. <laughs> window. It is the smallest window to get stuff done. <laughs> I'm talking peak performance stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You can push through. I can, but I, those two hours for my real thought required work, yep. creative thinking, if I need to do some sort of creative writing, but after that, I'm cactus, so yep. it, it better be like low-grade email replies. Yeah, I do emails first thing and last thing. Same, I do the bookending technique too. Yeah. I love it. Now, Revzy, yeah. got a bit of a bone to pick with you. Oh, God. That last week's effort What? Dear listeners. What? (laughs) Don't know if you know, but um, Rev's posted the wrong version of the edit. Let it go. Let me live it down. (laughs) Here's another way we're different. You are like fastidious perfectionist grammatical queen. I was going to bring up the spelling, so it's funny that you say that. And I am a, this looks amazing and feels amazing, just get it out there kind of person. I'm not an attention to detail person. So that's why we're a good pair though. I'm really proud of you for admitting that. Oh my god, I'm I'm so happy to admit that. I'm terrible at attention to detail. You are a creative wizard. Sure. But when it comes to finessing or finishing things off, (laughs) fine tuning, (laughs) it was so funny. I got a text from Rev's like, oh, I went to go back into the episode to correct a typo and you already did it. And I was like, typos, babe. <laughs> there were a couple. You just didn't even notice the other ones. Look, we all have our strengths. Yep. I love writing copy. Just can't spell anything. Just can't get the grammar right. The and tense is off and off. I know this about myself, but, uh, you know. I guess my one request <laughs> from here on out. I love that you're doing this on the podcast. <laughs> You're using the dear listeners to bolster your confidence to bring this up with me. I feel really supported and held because there will be some fellow grammar Nazis in our dear listenership who will be feeling me hard. My one request 
is just just fling it to me before you hit publish. Just go, hey, but happy to spell check. Happy to be that person to grammar, spell check. Just fling it to me and go, about to post this. It doesn't matter if it's an Instagram post, the description of our episode. Just fling it my way. I'll just send it to teach to do some light marking. I'll give you gold stars. This is the thing about grammar and all that kind of thing. Like, If you don't care about it, you don't even see it or notice it. It doesn't bother you. But if you do care about it, it drives you crazy, right? right? Yeah. Like I don't see it, care, like whatever. Even when people say that's not a word, I'm like, well, it's a word now. You know, like I just feel like it's a loose kind of thing. I really do get it that it really annoys people and I'll try and be better. You know what? I don't mind coining of a word that doesn't exist. I think that's how language evolves. I'm all for it. But okay, let me ask you this. You know when there's shit all over the house? (laughs) No, stay with me. Yeah. And your husband just walks over. I feel like this isn't going to work for you because your husband's the tidier one of you. But I I, want to give you another example so that you can really understand where I'm coming from. Welcome to Kate's Failings by (laughs) Jennifer. This is a therapy session for both of us. Okay, yeah. Messy house. Husband walks by. Yeah. So often the kids trickle toys all up and down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And for me, whenever I go up the stairs, I gather a handful and I dump it in their playroom so that it's not a trip hazard. It's tidying up along the way. Husband walks straight over. It's like he doesn't see it. Would that not bother you? You're saying that's what I'm like with (laughs) spelling mistakes and grammar and uploading the wrong file. I'm just like, ah, (laughs) I'll get to it later. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's bothersome. Okay. No, I feel you. I respect your anal retentiveness. Particularness. And I'll be better. I appreciate that. I will say, if you are on Team Revs on this front, just feel sorry for us perfectionists. Oh, I do feel we sorry for you. We are trapped in a prison. I know. It must be of awful Of our own perfectionism. <laughs> I irritate myself. I wish I wasn't so fucking anal and could just let shit go. Because I think I'd be a happier person. I think we need a safe word for when I've really fucked up. And you can just be like, seagull, babe. Seagull. And then what does that do? Disarm and I'll be like, oh, what have I done? You know, just... <laughs> So you don't be like, hey, Revzy, you did it again. <laughs> you know, it's going to be seagull now, which is such an awkward safe word because what does that even mean? But we're queens of making up words. Uh, a lot of dear listeners have still continue to ask where Revs comes from. Um, We don't really remember. Uh, I don't know. Dear listeners, all I know is that there are many versions of Revs. Yeah. Rev Dizzle, Rev Dizzy Dog. Rev zitty doo da. Rev head. Rev head? Yeah. No one's ever called me Rev head. Ryan Jones did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, hi, Ryan Jones. <laughs> Can we not make this the, the podcast of my ex's past? <laughs> Can you not check your emails while we're recording? <laughs> Sorry. I'm multitasking. I get it, but like, get out of your inbox. All right, it is the weekend after all. So, got some news to share. Okay, what is it? I'm not going to tell you until you get off your phone. Fuck, sorry. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. No, you're not. That coffee (laughs) needs to kick in about halfway through this app. Otherwise, this is going to be a real dud. Come on, coffees. (laughs) I was researching Botox because I thought, Jem, you're really procrastinating, putting it off. Yep. I want it, but I don't want to go to the effort of figuring out where to go, booking an appointment, showing up, Mm -hmm. finding time in my calendar, all that jazz. Upon research, discovered Scrotox. What? Yes. What is scrotox? Yeah. Is it what I think it is? Have a guess. Scrotum Botox? Yep. Oh, to like tighten your balls? No. Oh. (laughs) So there's two reasons that men 
get scrotox. Very big in the gay community. Okay. FYI. Heterosexual men, not so into it, but I hear they're coming round to the idea of scrotox. And I am all fucking for it. Do you know why? What does it do? It's popular. It stops their balls from sweating. Oh. Scrotox stops your sweat glands from overacting. Yeah, right. So people with hyperhidrosis. Like you. Like me. Yeah. Dear listeners, I have a condition called hyperhidrosis where your extremities sweat. It's a sweaty bitch. Basically. <laughs> hands and feet. Hands and feet. My hands and feet are perpetually sweaty. Like sometimes they drip, you guys. Yeah. They drip onto the floor. I can anticipate a handshake an hour before it's going to happen to make sure I have transferred all of my sweat off my hands onto whatever the fuck I'm wearing to prepare for a handshake. Dear listeners, in Thailand, there's this beautiful tradition that children do. You have to fill me in on the details, but all I know is that there's this beautiful Thai tradition and it's like a thing that kids would do at school where they do soap carving. And Jem, when she was in Thailand in Thai school, used to do her soap carving and her artwork would foam. Yeah, my soap didn't last. It like frothed and started evaporating. Yeah, was not born to soap carve. Okay, so would you get Botox in your hands? I'm considering it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then I looked into it and a lot of men get Botox in their armpits who get oh. really nervous and have to do presentations. Oh, and their shirts are just and like sh- sweat city. Exactly. Mm. But Scrotox, not only is it to reduce sweaty ball syndrome, <laughs> but also de-wrinkles them and makes them look like a baby's bottom. But that's weird. Scrotums are supposed to look kind of strange. I know, but I feel like this is part of the human condition where we laser ourselves within an inch of our lives to make us look hairless and like dolphins and like newborns. And it's kind of like... Problematic. Yeah, Yeah. but... Imagine if you just saw a perfect shiny pair of bouncy balls. You'd be a bit put off, wouldn't you? I would, personally. (laughs) But I would appreciate the lack of odour from the lack of sweat. Okay. <laughs> it's too early for this, Jim. It's too early for scrotum chat. But anyway, back to your Botox. So no further chats about dick cheese. So, oh, <laughs> why do you gotta do me like this? So do we need to bring up that we got called out in our DMs about Botox? Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, yes. Because we should hash it out, I reckon. So for context, dear listeners, we had a fellow dear listener. How many times <laughs> drink every time you hear me say dear listener? Slid into our DMs and said. Love you guys. Love all you're about. Especially loved the chat about body image. However, don't love that you're normalizing Botox. I thought, huh, that's a really interesting point and something that we should unpack and expand on. Because at first I thought, yeah, fair call. But then I thought about it a bit deeper and I don't think they are comparable. Body shaming versus Botox chat. I understand that people diet to change their shape Mm -hmm. and that's falling into the traps and pitfalls of what society defines as the perfect body. And you could argue that, yes, Botox is to do with, again, it's ego-driven. It's about hitting the pain points of our own vanity and desires to look forever young. We're still quite young in this context. Like, you know, you do hear that women who get into their late 50s, 60s start to feel invisible and like they're not as relevant. So maybe that... That is, at that point, a bit more of an issue. How I think about it is 
with diet culture, I feel like thinner people have more value than a bigger person. That's the perception that we all internalize, right? Whereas with Botox, I don't feel like when I've had Botox that I hold more value. I feel like it's just something I do for me. So when I look in the mirror, I don't scream. At how haggard. (laughs) At how haggard and unrecognizable I look. But it's kind of hard to make an argument for it because it is about changing something physically to look younger or whatever. But honestly, I'm not doing it to look younger. I'm doing it to look less tired. Same. And it works. That's why I want to try it because at the moment I look in the mirror and I just, the reflection doesn't reflect how I feel. Absolutely. As you've described before, I get angry concentration lines and I don't feel angry. I'm a happy, jolly person. So when I get angry concentration lines, that doesn't reflect how I'm really feeling and it puts out into the world a different, I guess, personality than what I feel inside. But yeah, I mean, if it becomes the standard that everyone has to do it, then that is a problem. But would someone have argued that about braces once? Like, let your teeth be crooked and have character. And now it's almost become standard that your kids turn to teenagers and then they get braces or the now thing is Invisalign. Yeah. So I feel like that's a bit more medical, isn't it? Like if you have an overbite and so I don't know. If your teeth are even slightly not straight these days, it's all about cosmetic dentistry, correcting it for society. Yeah. (laughs) It's the same thing. The other thing I feel differently about Botox is that it metabolizes. So it only lasts. not permanent. It's three months. Yeah. I feel like the issues that come with weight and your body Mm. and your shape Mm -hmm. isn't comparable. Well, when I get Botox, I don't think about it every waking minute of the day. It doesn't affect my mental load. It doesn't take up space in my daily life the way body image stuff does. If I'm on a diet, I find it very hard to think about anything else. Like every mealtime becomes stressful or emotional or whatever. I've only had Botox twice. You get it done and then you sort of stop thinking about it, but you just feel a little fresher. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing to highlight because with body image, you can't escape your shape. It's so on display. Whereas when Botox is done well, you wouldn't necessarily know. That's why people can get away with not even admitting to it. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think it's okay to normalize it. And what I want to normalize is admission to it. Because what I find odd is when people claim that they've never had it before and then are just like, oh, I just age well and it's like that's sort of problematic that to me equates to when all the magazines used to have airbrush models and they would never say they did and everyone just thought oh that's what bodies look like my body's freakish because I don't look like everyone in the magazines when people are like getting all these things done and saying no I've never had I just drink a lot of water I just go for a lot of walks in the fresh air that's problematic absolutely yes I'm happy to normalize yes I've done it I've put something in my face I feel much better for it gosh is it perfect no and I might change my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like as I get older, I might go, no, I want to just see what my face does. But at this moment in time when I've never been more bone tired, you know, I feel like it's the same as covering your greys or getting your hair coloured. If you just feel a bit fresher and nicer and it's an expression, I don't Mm. know, well, a lack of expression. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to explain to my husband that I wanted to try Botox and he was like, why, babe? You look perfect, which is like the perfect answer, (laughs) of course. Well done, hubs. I explained to him, well, I just want to feel fresher like I've been on a holiday. And he was like, well, why don't you just go on a holiday? And I was like, why don't you fucking take me on one? (laughs) It's a lot cheaper to get Botox. Um, The guy I went to, I went to a really fancy salon to get my last Botox because it was, I got to do it through work. But he said to me, no one will know you've had any 
anything done, it'll just look like you're having an affair. <laughs> and I oh. loved that. I thought that was so fun. And honestly, do I look like I'm having an affair? Is this your bougie man in Double Bay? Yeah, yeah. You actually have affair written all over your face. Do I? Grey. Glowing. Watch out. Glowing. Watch out. Glowing. I know we weren't planning to dive back into the topic of body image, but something that came to mind was another DM we had by someone who was a bit prickly at us. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's called What Comes After the Before and After Photo. It's one of our most popular episodes. Episode where we... eight. Oh, gosh, look at that memory recall. <laughs> and you're normally hopeless with numbers. Hey. She slid into our DMs and said, I really disagreed with you guys skinny shaming. Mm. She said, I never feel like I've got a head in life over someone who's overweight because I'm skinny. And then she went on to say, I've got a naturally slim build Mm -hmm. and I think it's really unfair that you're not waving the flag for our issues. Yeah. That's the thing about privilege. You often don't know you've got it. 100%. And we have lots of privilege and we try really hard, right, each of us, to identify and evolve beyond our privilege. But thin privilege is very real. I would just say, if you've been able to walk into a store and find something in your size, that's privileged. If you've never had an upcoming event and it hasn't taken up mental real estate about what you're going to wear or how you're going to look at this event, I'd also just say, have you ever wished to be bigger? Um, yeah. Have you ever wished to be a size 16? Like, that's privilege. It is. It's but a- I guarantee there's a lot of size 16, 18, 20, even size 12s because of societal standards. Perhaps wonder if they could trim down to a size 8 yeah. or a sample size. Like, sample size. I what know. is that? I know. It's funny because I need to declare as well, I'm aware that a lot of people would look at me and be like, what are you complaining about? You look really normal. Like it's very internalized. Um, And there are people who are much bigger than me who would think, oh my God, you're having this huge whinge and you're completely a normal size. Yeah. So, you know, it's a spectrum, but it's more about the emotional real estate that it takes up in your inner life, I think. I think the big takeaway for me from what you said in that episode was that when you go to the beach and you're in a swimming costume, your shame is on display. Yeah. And you can't just take it off. The thing is we all have our shit, right? Most people struggle with something. and Most people have some kind of issue they're trying to evolve beyond or move past or get good with. The thing about body image is it's very obvious, And people who fluctuate weight or put on a lot of weight or lose a lot of weight, it's all on display. And it's it's very hard to hide that you struggle in that way. So, you know, if you've got daddy issues or you've got sex problems or, you know, whatever, you can kind of keep that clandestine. But um, No, definitely. You can conceal that. Yeah. Uh, But I do feel a lack of sensitivity towards skinny shaming, if I'm honest. Yeah, me too. I do struggle with the idea that anyone's ever been shamed for being skinny. I'm sorry if that triggers you. This is the thing about Botox, body image, anything where we talk about beauty and standards of beauty is we could easily trigger anyone, you know, depending on where you sit and where you're at right now. Yeah. yeah it's, a tr- it's a really tricky subject, but I don't think that means we should shy away from it. I think we should talk about this stuff. Definitely. Especially if it's what's consuming us and our, all our girlfriends' lives, you know? And if nothing else, this conversation should be a reminder to check our privilege, whatever totally. that may be. Totally. So, do you know what I don't have time for? What do you have time for? Baking a kid's birthday cake. Oh, ultimate craft project. This 
is another polarizing topic, I feel. Oh, yeah? I think there's going to be mums in the Gem Shmem camp, and I think there's going to be mums in the Kate is Great camp. Okay. If you're anything like me, you outsource that shit. Mm-hmm. I struggle immensely <laughs> when I see content of mums creating masterpieces for their kids' birthday parties and are up till 2 a.m. trying to get it done I the know. night before. I know. Can't relate. Don't know why you put yourself through it. Talk to me, Revs. Unpack why you go to such lengths to impress your two or three-year-old who is not going to remember it at all. No, I disagree. First of all, of course you don't want to make a birthday cake. The three things you hate most in the world, mess, craft, and cooking. True. <laughs> Combine those three things and that is a birthday cake project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so no wonder you don't want to do it. But do you remember the Women's Weekly Cookbook? Yes. Okay, so this is very Australian. So let me fill in. There's an ant on our microphone. Oh. (laughs) So let me fill in for our international guests. There was this cookbook in the late 80s that came out from a magazine here called Women's Weekly, which was kind of like an okay magazine. It was a cookbook of children's birthday cakes. Now, in the 80s and 90s, so our era of children's parties, everyone's mum would bake them something from this book. And you would open the book and you would look through for like a month before your birthday and leaf through and go, oh, I think I want the candy piano. I think I want the jelly swimming pool or whatever. It was just this moment in time, right? It sounds wholesome. I'll admit. It was super wholesome and so much fun. And my mum always would make us cakes from that book. And it was like this just really ultimate act of love and you would just be like wow well now I feel like a right asshole no Jem you're not performing the ultimate act of love by making a birthday cake for Rafa's third birthday you fucking heartless bitch okay we don't have to go that far but Isla's first four birthday cakes I'll admit I went a little intense with my cake projects. Do you reckon? It was like you were entering a fucking pageant. (laughs) It was like a cake competition. Seriously, you set the bar so high though. I was like, how is she going to outdo herself next year and the year after that and the year after that? You could have opened a cake shop. No, no, not they weren't that good. Humble pie. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) They weren't that good. But I think... Um, Dear listeners, I'm going to make Revs fish into her archives and pull out these cake photos and you tell me if they weren't, no, 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 they weren't that good. It was like mum guilt in flour and icing because I put Isla into daycare at nine months old. I was working full time by the time she was one. Yep, me like, too. Yeah, yep. I know. So I just... Waiting for my guilt to kick in into flour and sugar. And when I had one kid, I was just like, the least I can fucking do is pour my love into a really spectacular birthday cake. And this is very Isla related because Isla's one of those people who makes everyone feel good all the time. It's one of she her does. top traits. And if she gets a present, like sometimes she'll get a present from my mom or my dad or something, she'll open it and it'll just be like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted this. How did you know? And she's been like that since she was two. It's the best. She's just very joy filled and you really do get it back when you give her something. Yeah, I'll never forget when I turned up to Isla's ballet concert and I brought her a kinder egg and it was as if I'd given her a million dollars. I know. She acted as if I had altered her world permanently for the better. I know. She's so sweet like that. And I don't know where she gets that from because her dad's, you know, as we've talked about before, gifts are not a thing for him. He's always like, oh, cool. Thanks. Hello. 
I'm looking at where it came from. Oh, really? Am I like that with yes. presents? You gush over gifts. Yeah. We did talk about love languages recently. You're a great gift receiver. Yeah, I do love a gift. Yeah, and you do. You make a meal out of it and you make the person who gave it to you feel really great. Okay, well, there we go. There's where it came from. So anyway, so when I'm like working and putting her in care full time and stuff, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a cake. And I like craft. Yep. I don't particularly like baking, but I can do it. I would always buy a packet cake. I didn't make them from scratch or anything. But the decoration, I mean, I'm an art director. It's like, I like, I get off on this stuff. <laughs> so it started her first birthday. She, went, she was into lions. So I made this lion cake. And then the next year it was frozen. And so I was like, all right, I better make Elsa's ice palace. <laughs> and I was at 1am dying toffee blue. <laughs> and then like making ice shards and all sorts of things. And the next year was Princess Palace. And then the fourth year was Unicorns. Anyway, and then I had Teddy. Teddy's never had a spectacular cake ever. Like, <laughs> the minute Teddy came along, I was like, all right, time to just, like, wax some icing on a Woolies cake. You were burnt out. You I set, was burnt out. You set the bar so high that yeah. you had no more to give for your second born. God, imagine if you had a third. <laughs> oh, just to be like, ice cream cake <laughs> out of the freezer, whack a candle in. Yeah, so I the last two years I've outsourced birthday cakes. I haven't made anything. I've outsourced all of them, and they are masterpieces. Yeah. Hashtag worth it. Yeah. I reckon you could spend the same amount on all the decorations and the tin, because you never have the right tin. Whatever tin you've got, it's the wrong tin for the cake you want to make. Yeah. But you know what I feel most smug about? Is that I got a full night's sleep the day before my kid's birthday because I wasn't up till sparrows trying to stress finish this birthday cake. Okay, little hack though. You guys, make the cakes a week before the actual cake in the tins, wrap them in glad wrap and freeze them. And then you just have to decorate the night before. Epic. They ice better and then you've done the work ahead of time. And if you're like me and you want four different coloured cakes on the inside, on Monday you can do the purple layer. On Tuesday you can do the pink layer and so forth. <laughs> baking hacks with Kate Red. I actually don't like baking, but when Isla was little, we used to do cupcakes as like a snack activity all the time. But Teddy wants an epic birthday this year. What and does he want? As previously discussed, he's hard into Trolls, yep. the movie, Trolls World 2 the second one there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where it's like the techno trolls yeah in this movie there's all these different worlds with different genres of music with the different trolls and he is sick for the techno trolls <laughs> and they're playing like daft punk and they're all like glow in the dark and it's like basically a rave Amazing. and he's like mummy that's what i want for my party i was like a trolls party cute he's like no it has to be dark, right? <laughs> He's like, and it has to be glow in the dark and we have to have a DJ and everything's got to glow. And I was like, you want a rave? You want a little baby rave? Cute. So my brother-in-law's going to DJ and I'm going to hire the club. <laughs> I'm going to call the club and say, can I rent your dark space? at like midday on a Sunday and we're going to have a baby rave. So I'm going to have to make him a cake, aren't I? Ovi. Or can you give me a number of someone who can make me a troll's cake? Absolutely, I can give you a number. <laughs> I am 1 million percent outsourcing a cake for Rafa's birthday, which is in a couple of weeks. Well, I feel like I could outsource the cake this time because you know what I'm going to have to go hard into is the costume. Yes, and the glow sticks. And the glow sticks. Go hard. Yeah. If anyone knows this movie, he wants to be King Trollex. He's like a fish slash troll with like glow in the dark hair, glowing green eyes and rainbow arms. Like it's a really complicated costume. You know me, I'm a theater baby. Oh, whoa. I just Googled King Trollex. 
Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh my god. I think I'm gonna jump on Wish and just get a whole lot of glowing stuff. This is amazing. Oh look, there's even a costume example. Yeah, but it's terrible. It's crap. I, my baby boy's not wearing that shitty costume. He's gotta be fully art directed. I mean, I saw Isla's Easter parade hat. <gasps> okay, this is a whole different thing and this is what I don't have time for. But before we move on to that, talk to me about Rafa's party, because she's never had a party. So we're a couple of weeks shy of Rafa's party and I still don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I've organised nothing. Okay. I'm a panic, Janet. Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) I've asked Rafa what she wants for her birthday, and the only response that I get is yellow presents. Aww. So I'm thinking yellow-themed, yellow balloons, sunflower vibes, yellow tutu. Not an Emma Wiggle one, though. (laughs) But that's as far as I've got. And because she's turning three and I'm the queen of outsourcing. Okay, what do you want from the party? Is it going to be like her and her friends, or is it for you guys, like a family party and it's about Rafa. I need to milk the I can invite my friends yeah. with their kids GP. Because I reckon when she turns four she's going to be very specific about what she wants and who she wants whereas at this stage I can still kind of call the shots on who her playdates are. I reckon you've got till school before that happens. Okay well then in that case I'm thinking barbecue. Yep. I might outsource a fairy. Oh worth every dollar. They're worth their weight in gold from what I've witnessed. So my favourite thing to have at a kid's birthday party is alcohol. <laughs> Ovi. For the parents. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Wine, wine, wine. I get a little bit annoyed when I go to another kid's birthday party and there's no booze for the adults. I'm like, what are you playing at? Why did you make me come here <laughs> to watch kids play past the parcel and get into fights if I can't be a little bit drunk? And if I wasn't married, those would be the kinds of parties that I would hold. Yeah, and I'd have to pull you up on it. You would. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring booze to Rafa's party. Anyway. My husband will have that shit sorted. He over-caters in the booze department. Love him. When we were in the UK, I threw Isla's birthday party there. We had a Harry Potter potions class. I had potions for the adults, which was like Prosecco. And it was a bit like, oh, oh, <laughs> like, I don't think it's the done thing in the UK. Why? Was it 10 o'clock in the morning? No, it wasn't 10 o'clock in the morning. I it was know, at least 11.30. <laughs> so if you have a fairy, yes, the parents can booze on and the kids are all entertained. Well, I got sent this website. You can hire a fairy for an hour and a half and they come with all the goods. Yeah. Like a pass the parcel game. Right. They come with music to play musical statues. They do face painting. Um, do you remember my, my university job? Yes, you were a fairy. Fairy stardust in the house. You would have been the best fairy. Yeah, I was. I was great. It was like a great job because I got paid $75 a party. which Epic. is It was at the time, but now I look back and I'm like, the owner of that company must have been earning like 500 and I got 75 Totes. But $75 a party, four parties in a day. I got to like put glitter on my face, feel cute. And then, you know, run activities with kids. It sounds like hell now, but I really liked it at the time. (laughs) I was about to say, no part of this makes me go, wish I did a fairy gig for a while in my my early 20s. I loved it. It was such a good job. I think because it's kind of like working for yourself. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) This totally is on brand for you, actually, now that I think of it. I also had a pub job and I hated it because I had a boss who was like telling me what to do. And then I had to wear a really tight, low cut t-shirt and then people would 
would hit on you and oh I hated it although I did get hit on as a fairy once and I had to leave a party awkward no, it was really bad I had a really good boss who was like if you ever feel uncomfortable just tuck and roll out of there and I went to a party once it was just dads and it was like the Bledisloe or something which is like a football game I think is it football cricket I believe what so. is it sure. <laughs> some sport some big sport event was on a bunch of dads and all their kids mm. no mums in sight no idea what the situation was but they'd hired me to just look after the kids while they watched the game so it wasn't even someone's birthday no one's birthday and I got there and I was like who's the birthday girl and they're like oh no one just take them in there and I was like oh righto and then the dads were getting steadily drunk and then they just kept making comments about the like fairy that's so fucked. it was fucked so I was like I'm gonna go good yeah my boss was good about that but um point (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is what we face all the time with our podcast where we just ramble 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 and then we're like we'll be leading to a point (laughs) point was I loved that job at the time but when I look back sounds like hell (laughs) real point is that Gem should hire a fairy hire a fairy they're so worth their weight in gold I'm gonna do it yeah do it well you know what I don't have time for Easter hat parades yes Easter hat parades which I know I just said I love to make a cake but time has moved on mama has no time or will anymore okay so can you explain for me what the Easter hat parade is because I'm not yet in school years but also I grew up in the British system never attended an Easter hat parade. Now, I don't know if that's because I went to an international school in Thailand and maybe Easter hat parades are a thing in the UK, but I've never experienced it. I know it's also in America. It sounds British, like a floral basket hat. (laughs) A bonnet. (laughs) A bonnet. It sounds British, but I don't know. Aussies love to adopt American traditions. Don't we? So it wouldn't surprise me if it was rooted in American history. So tell me, what is it? What is the So you never did that at junior school or anything? Never. Okay, so basically, it's like every child makes an Easter bonnet or an Easter hat and then they walk around in a circle and we all go and clap (laughs) that's it I don't believe for a second that those hats were made by kids Isla's was oh well I helped her is that what you're saying (laughs) that's what I'm saying I reckon the hat should be made at school yes but then on Monday we got told actually you know what Everyone probably got told earlier. But on Monday, I figured out (laughs) that there was an Easter hat parade on Tuesday. Good grief. So I had to duck to the newsagents, grab cardboard, stapler, glitter glue. Is there a theme? Yeah, it's Easter themed. So think bunnies, chickens, butterflies, grass. How boring. That's so repetitive. I was hoping it would be more like the Met Gala, where it's like... Now that I'd be here for. (laughs) Yeah. That I'd be here for. If it was like gothic Easter. (laughs) Now, there's always one or two parents who think it is the Met Gala, (laughs) and there's an epic craft project on some kid's head that you know someone just has too much time and put everything they have into it. There's always a couple of Met Galas. And then there's a lot of CBF. There's a lot of Panic Janet. A lot of Panic Janets. One kid was wearing a Stella Artois like promotional hat that they'd just literally taken a Sharpie and written Easter hat on the brim. That was one of my favourites. That'll be me. That'll be you. Easter hat. We just made eyelids out of cardboard with a stapler. We just like, you know, cut out like a grass. It doesn't matter. It's not interesting. We got it done. We got it done. She was stoked and she hopped around. She just loves a the theme. My daughter, she loves a the theme and she loves a festive holiday. So honestly, sometimes I think you should have called her joy. 
I should have called her Joy. She's such a bundle of joy. Yeah, she is. She's a lifer. But I just don't understand why that had to be an at-home project. Am I, I being bratty? No, you're not being bratty. As someone who doesn't have kids at school yet, for me, that should be a given. It's like if you're going to staple some cardboard and stick some decor, that needs to be done in school. Yeah, like keep your clag in the classroom. <laughs> but when do the full-time working mums and dads have time to put together an Easter fucking hat for a parade? I know. If you don't have craft supplies already at home, you have to go out and buy all the things. I feel like there is a lot asked of parents to contribute to the community and the life of the school, which, you know, when I say it, sounds nice. I was going to say, again, it sounds so wholesome. It sounds so nice, but it's also like... Oh my God, so much time is required of me outside everything we already do. Yeah, it's just another layer to the mental load that we are all dying under. I know. So do you know about class parents? No. So every class has a class parent and the parent is the contact for the teacher. So if the teacher needs to tell all the parents something, they just tell the one parent and then there's like a WhatsApp group and that parent communicates everything. And do you have to self-nominate to be the class parent? Yes. So our class, 1-0, didn't have one for like two weeks because everyone was like, please not me. Please not me. Please don't make me do it. And then these big things go out on Facebook. It's like, hi, parents. There's three classes who still don't have a class parent. And 1-0 was on there and I was like, trying to convince my husband to be the class parent because I thought he'd love that you know and he was like no I'm just not doing it I was like come on babe someone's got to do it he's like well then why don't you do it I was like have we met you don't have time for that I don't and also I'd be so shit like I'd be like yeah yeah I'll tell everyone and then I'd wake up at like 6am the next day and be like oh my god I didn't tell them it was mufty day and then all of 1-0 would be in uniform like I'd just be terrible at it but Isla really wants one of us to be the class parent of it's course become she this, does. it's become this thing for her that it's she's status is it? <laughs> yes. She's like, my mum's the class parent. I get that. Oh, it's like when there used to be canteen duty. There's no canteen duty at our school, which I am stoked about. But do you remember when your mum used to do canteen duty at school? Your mum never did it. Your mum did it. No, she didn't. She so did. Do you know what she did do? The uniform shop. Same thing. All right. But you know, they'd be there for the day and it was like, oh my God, my mum's working in the canteen and you might get a free Jupiter bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at being that parent at school at the moment. And that's okay. Yeah. So, Revzy. Yeah. The dear listeners want to hear us talk about our trip to Russia. Oh, yes. And I feel like this might be a good time to get hella anecdotal about a memory between the two of us. Okay. But before we get into it, something that I wanted to talk about was what the world is going to look like when all these travel restrictions get lifted. Now, for any overseas dear listeners, you will have probably have seen through Instagram that in Australia, we've been really lucky throughout covid We've got what's called COVID normal, where things seem to be running relatively like how life used to be. Except I'm supposed to go to Queensland in two weeks and I don't think that's going to happen. That probably won't happen because of the outbreak in Byron. (sighs) But it got me thinking, when we went from lockdown to restrictions lifting, very quickly we adapted back to how things were. Wouldn't you say? Like restaurants kind of got busy and boomy again. Mm -hmm. Events started to trickle in. We're allowed to stand up and drink in a bar now. Yeah, all of that. Dance floors are back. Dance floors are back at weddings. We're very lucky. So lucky. But I have a different theory about international travel. Oh, yeah. While I have relaxed back into the groove of social events and things like that, I sense personal resistance to travel. Mm -hmm. And I am a travel bug. Yeah. Love traveling. 
But suddenly I found myself going to an airport and feeling like, oh, I kind of want to retreat back to my Mm. nest, Mm -hmm. to what I know. So I feel like when international borders lift globally and overseas travel becomes totally normal again, I wonder if human habit will mean that people don't run to get overseas. Because I feel like there's a lot of chat of reminiscing about their trips to the Greek islands or going to Italy during winter and going there for the summer. But I wonder if people will go for it yeah because I tell you what when I flew to Melbourne a couple of weeks ago it felt freaking foreign Mm. I felt like an elderly person who had never been on a flight before being Mm. like how do I do this yeah do I need to be at the airport three hours prior like I just wasn't sure and going through security and the check-in process and all of that I'm wondering how quickly the world will adjust Mm. if it will be instant or if everyone's going to take their time with seeing the world again. I think it will be, people will be one or the other. Some people will be like, nah, I think I'll just stay here for a few years. And some people will be absolutely champing at the bit to get going. Personally, because we have family in the UK, we'd love to get back and see them. Um, So you'll be hot footing it over there? I don't know if we'll hot foot it. Even if I could, I wouldn't go anywhere COVID hotspot now. No, but let's just assume we live in a COVID free world. Oh, like we're back to normal. Yes. Everyone's vaccinated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I will. I think I will want to go in the first year we can. Because I've got a bit of travel inertia. So my brother's wedding has been cancelled twice. His wedding is meant to be in Oregon in the US. And obviously we were really disappointed both times. He's now got a third date set, which is in May next year. And the idea of long haul travel to To the the US, US, it just feels very epic Whereas two years ago, I was all up for it. I was like, yeah, adventure. But now I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of travel resistance. I don't know why. Our worlds have gotten smaller. They have. Everything's kind of changed. The idea that we went to Russia another lifetime ago. And we did it so flippantly, like it was no big deal. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, I think, until we got there. And we were like, oh, this is like another planet. Yes. So let's rewind. Revs and I were 25. We had founded a theatre company. It was a Shakespeare company that focused on the classics. So we did Shakespeare, Chekhov, the Greeks, those kind of things. Yeah. (laughs) Proper geekdom. (laughs) Yes. I'm suddenly realising that this story is about to become really niche. Really niche. We did contemporary versions of classic plays. We wanted to do a production of Three Sisters. Which is a Russian Chekhov play. (laughs) Oh my God. I just feel like everyone's just gone to sleep on us. And bye. (laughs) (laughs) But Revs and I had this grand idea that we should do a Chekhov pilgrimage. Well, we wanted to do that, but then we had this kind of rogue investor in our theatre company who was very generous and definitely helped us mount our productions. And he was like, you're doing a Russian play set now. You better go to Russia. And we got this theatre grant to go to Russia. Yep. So he gave us a theatre grant. We did have to go through quite a process to apply for it. To get visas as well and the whole thing. Anyway, we went. They had these freak forest fires. So it was 45 degrees. When you think of Russia, what do you think? You think knee deep snow and fuzzy hats and like three layers of coats and things, right? And drinking vodka. It was 45 degrees, everyone was losing their damn minds because they didn't have the appropriate clothes. The air conditioning companies had sold out. Literally, there were no more aircon units available in all of Russia. And then get this, dear listeners, the theatres closed. (laughs) So we went on a theatre trip to Russia and didn't see any theatre. Oh, sorry, we saw one show. We did. We saw a ballet. We saw Swan Lake. Yeah. 
You know how people always ask us, have we ever had any big fights? Yes. This was a big fight. Do you remember? I don't remember this. Oh my God, this is so good. We were in St. Petersburg. We had tickets to Swan Lake. This is before smartphones were... Like, we had one, but there wasn't much internet access, and we had to sort of work out how to get from our hotel to the theatre. Now, in Russia, no one speaks any fucking English. Oh my God. none. It's all coming back to me. Like, no English. (laughs) And if you try and speak Russian, they look at you like you're an alien, because obviously you need the accent or something. So... We were trying to work out on the map how to get to the theatre. And I was like, okay, cool. So I think I worked it out. I'm quite good at directions. Jem is terrible at directions. True. So you might be really good at grammar, but you fucking suck at directions. No, I, I have a really good sense of direction. I am navigationally challenged. I will admit that. Yeah, I would go as far to say navigationally devoid. <laughs> <laughs> it kills my husband. Yeah. Anyway, we're running to the theatre because somehow we're late, even though we had nothing else to do. And Jem goes, wait, Revs, it's, it's here. And I was like, no, no, it's not here. And she's like, look, Swan Lake. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the theatre we're going to. And and Jem says to me, Revsy, how many productions of Swan Lake can be on in St. Petersburg at one time? And I was like, babe, are you kidding? (laughs) That's like saying, how many pizza places could there be in New York? Like, a million. (laughs) So I'm like, Jem, it's not it. She's like, this is it, Revsy, this is it. So we go in to this theatre and we're like so late by now and everyone's filing in and Jem like hands our tickets over to the guy and he looks at us and he starts saying in Russia like and I was like I know it's the wrong theatre and Jem's like no we're here this is Swan Lake and then the guy's like waving his torch around and trying to tell us we're at the wrong place so anyway then we leg it to the next theater, and then like literally two blocks away there's another theatre with Swan Lake and that was our theatre. And we got into a big fight. We were surly with each other for hours. But the production was amazing. It was beautiful. It's like when you see where things come from. It was the most transformative, incredible production of Swan Lake because the Russians know how to whip those ballerinas into shape. I was about shape. to say. <laughs> they were probably starved and then put into an ice bath for three hours before. But wow, it was beautiful. <laughs> So dipping back into what you were saying, when you speak Russian to a Russian, they look at you like you are an alien. Yeah. There was another little anecdote from our time in St. Petersburg where Revs rolled her ankle. <laughs> On the cobblestones. She, she twisted her ankle somehow and oh. she was like this wounded puppy, I like was. hobbling behind me, <laughs> being like, no, you go ahead. I mean, we were shopping in Zara. <laughs> She was trying to make it seem Thanks like... Thanks for the theatre, Grant. We're off to Zara. <laughs> we, did, we, went, we went shopping in Zara and Rebs was holding me back from my shopping spree and she was being all heroic like, you go without me. Go on without me. No one should miss out on Zara. At this point, Zara wasn't in Australia. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a real treat. And I remember very specifically, after I got my shopping fix, you were like, babe, I need to go to a chemist. Yeah, I need to get some kind of foot brace. Yeah, because it was getting really bad. And we looked up on our translator app. The word for chemist is Antjeka. I love how we have never forgotten it. Antjeka, because we said to probably 60 Russians, Antjeka! And checker. <laughs> and they literally looked at us like we were speaking gibberish. So then we found this really nice guy and we were at our wits end and we turned to him and we were like, and checker. And he looked at us blankly. So then we pulled it up on Google. We somehow Houdini'd some Wi-Fi and we had it up in Cyrillic on our phones and we held it up to him and we pointed to it and we said, we're looking for this. And he no joke said, Ah, oh, and Cheka. We're like, what? what? We're like, da, da. <laughs> because in Russia, 
the cross symbol that you would normally associate with a chemist is a bar. <laughs> That's right. We kept turning up to like, bars. When we said it was another planet, it's another planet. We're like, oh, look, there's a green glowing cross. That must be a chemist. Nope. It's a vodka bar. Aptieka. Aptieka. <laughs> oh, so we were saying it kind of wrong. Aptieka. I mean, we were saying Ancheka. That's Aptieka. I mean, Ab- come on. Ab- come Deca. on. That's like someone Ab- coming Deca. up to me and saying, Pharmacy? Yeah, and you'd be like, Pharmacy? Pharmacy? Oh, oh pharmacy. pharmacy. You're like, help us out, Russians. <laughs> <laughs> we became so rude on that trip because no one spoke English. We tried so hard to speak Russian. And then when we couldn't do that, we'd just try a little simple English. No. Well, I remember this one occasion we were particularly rude because this one waiter wanted us to buy bottled water still or sparkling oh my god that's right and we kept saying no "No, we're not gonna buy it this is in the hotel yeah and they're like please buy this water and i kept saying no we want tap water we're not gonna get screwed by you adding to our bill we're on to you we're savvy travelers and we were on a serious budget so we were like no we won't pay for bottled water like no tap water and he kept looking at us like uh no no i think you need to buy this and we're like we'll have tap water anyway cut to two days later gem got giardia (laughs) (laughs) and then we were sitting in like a weird russian cafe and Jem was like, oh, my God, my tummy just hurts so much. Fuck, I'm sweating. Anyway, I was like, oh, get over it, Jem. Like, come on. We're on holiday. Stop being such a buzzkill, Jem. such Gem. a downer. And then I opened Our Lonely Planet. And I'm like, all right, what should we do today? And I opened to the St. Petersburg section. Page one says, do not drink the water. <laughs> Giardia is rife in St. Petersburg. Make sure you only drink bottles. And I was like reading that and looking at you grimacing across from the table. And, and I was you were like, ah, like, uh, no. babe, I don't know how to tell you this. I think you have Giardia. And I remember you read out the symptoms and it was like, tick, tick, boom. <laughs> you were vegetarian at the time. Oh my God, was I? Yes. I was too. So the only thing you could eat was borscht, which is this like beetroot soup. Because we'd go to these restaurants and it was like, if we had a guide with us, there was a few guides we booked because, as aforementioned, you can't get around without any Russian language. So we had some few guides. Is there anything on the menu that's not meat? And they're like, uh, yes, uh, this one is a hen inside a bird inside a pig. And we're like, no, no, like no meat. And they're like, ah, you want the fish inside the hog inside the hen. And we're like, nope. <laughs> something without animal product and they're like ah you just want this giant barefoot (laughs) (laughs) they honestly didn't understand what vegetarianism was that it was like what do you mean what do you mean we only eat giant sides of beef in this country (laughs) oh gosh we have to share about our dear sweet tour guide Oh, she was so lovely. Her name was Anastasia. Like every fourth Russian. (laughs) All the men were called Boris and all the women were called Anastasia. And we're like, or Marsha or Irina, like all the characters in Chekhov plays. And we're like, ah, there's only four names in Russia. (laughs) So we booked Anastasia to give us a tour of the Hermitage. Now the Hermitage is this huge art gallery that you couldn't possibly conquer in a day. No, you'd need like a two weeks weeks. yeah or two weeks yeah totally the whole thing it's enormous and it houses the biggest collection of art i think in the world i think it does yeah yeah probably just spoils of war (laughs) (laughs) so she takes us to this artwork of a woman 
Refs and I have never seen this picture before in our lives. If you bring your attention to the left, here we have Picasso's most famous painting of Russian woman. <laughs> and we were just like, oh. We were like, sure. Like, that's-, that's what Picasso is known for, this painting of a Russian lady. <laughs> oh, everything was through a Russian lens. That's, I guess that's the culture over there. Like They've yeah. kind of been protected, you know, to sort of think everything is about Russia. But... The best part was when we went through the ancient museum part. She's like, over here, if you turn your attention to the left, we have a muma in a sarcophagus. A what? And she's like, a a muma muma in in a sarcophagus. sarcophagus. And then we looked and we're like, oh, it's a mummy in a sarcophagus. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite pronunciation of sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. But everywhere we went, she's like, turn your attention to the right. This is a statue of Catherine the Great. Over on the left, we have Peter the Great. Like, everything was Catherine and Peter the Great. And here is most famous Flemish painting of Russian steps. So we're like, okay, okay, babe. But also, she was a heavily scripted tour guide, like you buy those audio tour guides, where if we asked her anything that deviated from her script, she would combust. Like, she didn't know what to do. She only knew English for the tour. Yeah, so we'd be like, um, is there a cafe where we can get some sandwiches? And she'd literally, she's like a robot and her head would spin she's and then explode. Like, uh. So she was no help. She was lovely. Because she was like 25 as well. Yes. And we were like, let's try and find out what 25-year-olds do. Because that was what the play was about. It was like these young women. So we're like, what do you do on the weekends, Anastasia? She's like, if you turn your attention to the left, you see very fabulous painting of Peter the Great's dog. <laughs> It was so funny. My other favourite memory of Russia were the brides. Oh, the brides. The brides. Everywhere, every corner you turned, there was a fabulous bride. And they were always about 17. And the husbands were about 45. And they always had a hummer. Pink hummer. Pink hummer. Pink hummer for every wedding. And all the outfits were polyester. Like meringues on crack. On crack. It was so fun, wasn't it? The brides were so thin and so blonde with all the hair extensions and all the veil. And then the husbands were all in these like grayish suits with these giant beer bellies. Yeah. And everywhere we went, the women were painfully thin, eating nothing. Yeah. And the men were like hoeing into their hog inside a hand inside a shark. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> gouging themselves and being disgusting like a Bond villain. Are we going to get trolled for being culturally inappropriate? Oh, look, fuck. <laughs> look, I love Russia. We observed this country and culture with such fascination. Well, I've never been anywhere I felt so foreign. It was total culture shock. Remember we got the metro to the wrong place and we ended up in like this like country town with like women with headscarves and chickens walking around and we're like, well fuck. (laughs) Where are we? We're lost in Moscow. (laughs) But dear listeners, the wildest thing was day one we arrive in Moscow after our 52 hour flight or whatever it took to get there and we're walking the streets and now you may not know this but Jem is half Thai, half British but she doesn't look Thai. Is that right? But I also don't look British. Don't look British, don't look Thai. Just up. ethnically ambiguous. Ethnically ambiguous. But some people think you're Spanish. Like you've just got like a bit of a like... Who knows vibe. Who knows? Exotic vibe. <laughs> but um, we're walking the streets of Moscow and we're like, these are your people. Yeah. You look a little bit Siberian, a little I bit do. Mongolian. Yes, I've got the Uzbekistanian vibes about me. Which is probably why every single man in Russia was hot for you. 
<laughs> I was a real dick magnet in Russia. It was so awkward, dear listeners. Everywhere we went, we could not take four steps on the cobblestone without Jem being hit on in the most intense way. Do you remember that waiter? Oh my God, that waiter. He was like, I would like to take you on a promenade. <laughs> we're like, oh, mate. <laughs> and you were like, I've got a boyfriend. And he was like, where is this boyfriend? <laughs> I was like, Australia. And he was like, he is not here. <laughs> he was kind of cute. Yeah. I could have I went there. You should have gone there. But seriously, it got so awkward. People started giving you marriage proposals. Love letters. Love letters everywhere we went. Now, dear listeners, not one Russian looked my way. <laughs> not one. Revs was so thirsty. She was like, getting the tits out. I was like, what can I do to attract some attention in Russia? Dangerous move as a 25-year-old white woman. I was like, come on. Can one sleazy Russian hit on me, please? I think we have a photo of me holding one of the love notes. We need to dig that up. It came from everyone. From everyone. Oh, my God. So if I ever end up divorced, Russia's where I'm going to be, yo. Next plane to St. Petersburg. I'm going to find me a Boris in Russia. (laughs) Oh, good times. Good times. We have had so much fun travel together in the before times, haven't we? We really have. I look forward to doing it in the after times. And by after, I mean when our kids have flown the coop Mm -hmm. and we are empty nesters and maybe we can do some more wild holidays together. That would be so good. What's top of your list? Africa. Oh. But I want to do it on a budget. What? Big budget. Oh. Because everyone tells me it's so expensive. And once in a lifetime. It's once in a lifetime. If you're going to do Africa, do it well. Yeah. Africa weirdly doesn't call me. I think it's because I've got young kids. I'd love to take my kids one day. But while they're so little, oh, like, no. it's just I have way too hard. no interest in taking my kids to Africa because it's so expensive and they won't bloody appreciate it. But also Teddy would be like, hey, lion, hey, lion. And like jump out of the Jeep and on the roof and is like, I want a muesli bar. And then there's like <laughs> eaten by some hippopotamus or something. So what's at the top of your list? Um, Italy. You haven't been to Italy? I've been to Italy. Oh. But my husband has never been to Italy. My husband is into football, cinema, and pizza. Like, what? <laughs> he needs to go to Italy. Definitely. And I want to take my kids because I think it's a really fun place to take kids. Yes. Roaming piazzas, eating gelato, you know, going swimming. But even the Venetian canals. Yeah, it's there's so much fun to do that. I think that would be my dream would be for Italy. But I've also got a bit of a hunger to go back to Indochina. Really? Yeah. Of all places. I've been to Vietnam twice. Yep. Loved it. Yep. I love the kind of rogue, loosey-goosey kind of backpacking vibes. Lawless vibes. But also you live like a king because it's so affordable. affordable. And I think it would be fun to take the kids to Nam or Cambodia, do a bit of Thailand. Sorry, did you just say Nam? <laughs> Nam. <laughs> You're on nickname terms with oh, Vietnam. I've seen I saw some shit in Nam, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend Japan. Oh. Seriously, got a lot of favorites, but Japan was up there. Yeah. And we had Rafa on yeah. that trip and it was amazing. Yeah. If you can go during cherry blossom oh. season, I know it's a little bit of a gamble because yeah. who knows when those flowers feel like emerging, but oh, it's amazing. That's Kyoto, right? Tokyo, Kyoto, oh. you can chase the season oh. and we absolutely nailed the timing oh, of it. Wow. It was amazing. Fun fact about my old 
hometown Edinburgh is that they have spectacular cherry blossoms. Oh, yes, yes, and, yes, and yes. And blooming at the same time of year. Amazing. Yeah, it, they're absolutely stunning. I didn't know that until we were there and I was like, what's with all this pink? Oh, my God, they're cherry blossoms. Okay, so where do you want to go to that you've never been to? Because you're saying I want to go back to Italy. Yeah, yeah. I well, Greece. To... I've never been to Greece. Yes, neither have I. Dying to go to Greece. But I'm scared that Instagram has beefed up Greece yeah. too much for me. Well, apparently you've got to pick your island. Yeah. Apparently the Mamma Mia islands. No idea where they are. But you know the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's the best. Oh. Because I hear it's like you either get very sleepy or a lot of nightlife. And when you've got family, obviously you want to like a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want somewhere where the, there's no dinner after six. No, exactly. <laughs> oh, travel. One of these days. We'll, we'll have go. a travel in the podcast. <laughs> Will we? Well, speaking of domestic travel, a lot of y'all want us to come to your towns and do a bit of a live show. Yeah, so Revs and I are hatching plans to go live with the potty and do a tour, a national tour. But we want to make it the best night out, so we want your input on what would make an awesome girls' night out. You can hang with us, we'll do a live potty, and then, like, what should we have? Obviously wine. Haven't properly run this by Revs yet, but in my head, it's more like a cabaret vibe. Cool. Where everyone's sort of sitting on round tables with the gal pals, yeah. with the drink in hand, and it's kind of like, but not stand-up, because we're not stand-up. <laughs> Lower your expectations, y'all. No, raise them. Raise them, guys. <laughs> Full production. <laughs> but if you want that to happen, just DM us where you are, what should happen, what would make it extra fun, and we'll we'll start hatching. Because I just think mums need more excuses to get out with their girlfriends. Yeah, and if you've got tickets to something, then we're going, you know? Yeah. No one can cancel. The partners are all on deck. Kids are sorted. Girls' night out for some lols and some booze. Love it. All right, should we talk about our hashtag not sponsored? Yeah, so I've got a TV show. It's yeah. on Apple TV Plus. Oh, yeah. So niche. It's a little niche, but get the free trial and, you know, watch it. <laughs> it's called Trying. Yeah. And it's about a couple who are trying to conceive. Oh. And it's, I think it's about six or eight eps in their story and the journey they go on with trying to become parents. It stars Esther Smith, who's gorgeous, and Rafe Spall. Do you know him? No. It's British. So these are like really good. It's got a really great British cast of just like super funny, clever actors. It's really pithy and well-written. I think it's half-hour episodes. So if you just need that little like chaser after you've watched some kind of true crime documentary or something <laughs> before you go to bed, it's a really good one. And it's just our stage of life, you know? Like it's, it's about couple dynamics and relationships and marriage and infidelity and becoming a parent trying to conceive and all the things that go and then adoption as well and it sort of oh, goes wow. a lot into all these things and it's just delightful and lovely thing to watch with your partner as well it's definitely not like a chick show like my husband loved it um, and we really enjoyed it so that's a good one another one on that similar vein that I've been meaning to check out is on STAM it's a documentary that's called the acronym MUM which mm -hmm. is Misunderstandings of Miscarriage. It was directed by one of my dear friends, Tahina Totsi. Oh, cool. And it's her documenting her journey of miscarriage, as well as other women's journeys in varying degrees. Look, I'm sitting here explaining what it's about. I haven't actually watched it yet because I don't yet have Stan, but it's been... I'll give you my login. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah, it's all good. We've got every single stream. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, let's watch it together. I'm, yeah. I hope it's good. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Italian is behind Exactly. It. So, check it out. So, my hashtag not sponsored is uh, a small mum run business. Of course it is. 
Oh, I've got to support the little guy. Yeah, I'm in for it. I'm here guy for and it. gal. Yep. It's called Miller and Coco, and they do these beautiful children's couches. Now, oh, yeah, I've been seeing these on the ground. Yeah, so I know that you can buy these at your Target, Ikea, Goliath, big companies. But they're ugly. Not beautiful choices of fabric. Garish as hell. And number two, the foam is really crap quality. Okay. Now, these ones by Miller & Coco are robust as hell. Like, the structural integrity is quite amazing that Rafa can stand on the armrest and jump off it. Oh, wow. But what I love most is that the fabric is obviously aesthetically beautiful and will go in every home. And it's completely wipeable, waterproof, heavy strength material. So a great place to plonk them when they've got gastro. Yeah, because it converts into a bed. And also for snack time. Oh, cool. Because it's so easy to clean up and wipe down. And the kids love it. Dear listeners, Gem and I are hatching a plan to convert her home office into a podcast studio. And I keep just giving her these ideas like, oh, take these curtains from my place because they're really heavy because they're soundproof. And she's like... But they're fucking ugly. They're like, diarrhea coloured. And I'm like, what about these soundproof panels? You know you can just use egg cartons. And she's like, but it's fucking ugly. She <laughs> wants everything to be in the tones of our podcast. You are the most confusing art director I have ever met. You're like, but I art direct for a living. Hey, as egg you cartons. Once, as you once said to me, this is an audio platform. No one's going to see our perfect podcast studio. <laughs> if I was going to be on show, then absolutely. Hello. Content for the gram. The dear listeners loved it when you filmed me receiving my gift bag full of face goodies. Yes, that's true. So we might do more Always of that stuff. Always be making content. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the outro. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast. Jazzy vibe. Love it. <laughs>